Welcome to Talking Heads on USA Global TV, starring the one and only wonderful Dr. Jacqueline. It's a prestigious place where world-class influencers and experts meet, and where you'll find the most trusted advisors and coaches for all things in life and business. Visit usaglobaltv.com to sign up for our newsletter, get the value you need, and be first in line to learn about events and giveaways and other valuable content. Connect with us. Email Dr. Jacqueline at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Talking Heads. My name is Al Cini, and as always, I'm uh, incredibly grateful to the one and only wonderful Dr. Jacqueline Kerbeck, who makes this platform available to experts like myself, uh, people people like me that may have things that they can share uh, that make a difference for for people out there listening and watching. And, and certainly, I know that's what we all hope for. It's a great opportunity for me, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Jacqueline. And here we go. Today's subject is something that has uh, become... Um, gradually over time, near and dear to my heart. It's called the core values exercise. And uh, now that we're in uh, the team building business, now that we've got this product that, we, uh, that we've created, a team building product called ProFit, we're often asked, how do we differentiate ourselves from the competition, other people that do team building? And so we've done some research on the subject and we found that a common exercise at the beginning of building a team is something called a core values exercise. Uh, companies do it. Uh, departments within companies do it. And here's how it plays out. You take the people in the department and you sit them down in a room and you take out a lot of yellow post-it notes. And uh, and then you ask everybody, what are our core values? What really matters to us? And you get your pen out. You get your yellow post-it notes out. And people start shouting out core values. This is who we are. Uh, core values include things like trustworthy and dependable and reliable, uh, honest, uh, forthright, uh, detailed, scientific, analytical. I mean, core values are words that we believe describe us in a flattering or complimentary way. And we end up taking these words and writing them on post-it notes and hanging them on the wall. And, uh, and then afterward, we review all these post-it notes and we pull down the duplicates and simplify them. And if we're lucky, within a, a half a day or maybe a day or two, we'll have a list of, let's say, a half dozen uh, core values, things that identify us. We believe uh, represent the best of us uh, for the world, for the whole world to see. And uh, so that's core values. Now, here's what here's here's where I kind of part company with them. And um, because they don't mean anything. And <laughs> let me let me tell you why. Of course, you're going to say that we're honest. I mean, every other competitor that you've got is also going to say that they're honest. And in fact, people that are even in completely different lines of work from you are going to say that they're honest and trustworthy and forthright. If the core values that you've arrived at don't differentiate you in some way, don't identify you as being different from the other people that are competing in the same market you're competing in, then those core values don't tell the world how you're different from them. And because they don't differentiate you, there's really nothing for the people on your team or the, or the people in your organization to aspire to. I mean, I don't want to aspire to be trustworthy and honest. I want to aspire to be great, to, to be exceptional. That means that in order to trigger the aspirational response in a human being, which is really what we want, what we want 
is for people to bring their whole selves to work in support of, in, in pursuit of a cause, to make a change in the world. A statistic was released uh, the other day by Gallup. <clears throat> for those of you that are aware of it, or even if you're not, Gallup for the last 30 years has been periodically measuring uh, something that they call employee engagement, which is essentially are people really showing up at work and engaged in the work they do? What they found over the last 30 years is that only about 32% of the workforce registers as engaged in the work they do. And what they found recently is a kind of an alarming trend. The number of employees, the percentage of employees that are actively disengaged, that are not just blasé about what they do, but actually downright adverse to it, uh, that, that are actually actively looking for ways to not be busy, uh, has grown to 18 to 20 percent. That's a huge, huge number and a big decline and a big shift. Uh, probably that's actually the lowest ratio disengaged to actively disengaged employees uh, in the history of the poll. It's uh, worse than it's been in the last 10 or 15 years. So how do you get your employees fired up about, about what you do? You don't do it just with core values. They're not going to get behind trustworthy and honest. And I mean, that's just not going to work. Okay, so now I'm telling you, the core values exercises that you've probably done, that you may be thinking about doing, are only going to get you, let's say, to the 20-yard line. You still have another 80 yards to gain in order to be able to spike the ball. What do you do about that? Well, here's what we found. What matters isn't that you're honest or trustworthy. What matters is the behavior that you engage in that displays for everybody that you're honest or that you're trustworthy or that you care about your employees or that you care about each other or that you care about your customers. What does that look like? What is that behavior that actually reveals the core value brought to life, roaming the world, making a difference day in and day out? Now, let me give you a few examples. Uh, about a year ago, we did some work with a restaurant group in Australia. And uh, part of that exercise, part of the work we do, and uh, just to let you know, we, we don't do a core values exercise. We approach it a little differently. We ask the organization that we're working with to think about their whole organization as though it were a single person doing its best work on its best day to keep all its promises and achieve all its goals. Oh, Instead of saying, what are our core values? We say, describe who we are collectively as if we were a single person that somebody could meet at a party. What would that person be like? And we probe and push people. We don't just want a how tall, how heavy, how talkative. What specifically can this person be relied on to do every day that shows us who, who they are, not just tells us who they think they are? It's got to be about more than just virtue signaling. Sure, I'm wonderful. You could say that, and we could say collectively we're wonderful. But what is it about us and what we do every day and how we do it every day that shows the world that we're wonderful, that demonstrates that? Oh, this restaurant group took to that exercise with a little bit of work because it's not a comfortable question to answer. But when they got into it, they started to describe who they were in actionable, personal terms. And... Part of that experience is that we give everybody an opportunity to talk about the two or three things about themselves that they feel they can change, improve, uh, enhance in order to become better contributors, like the role model that they've described when they've described their team as though it were a single person. 
And I remember in this particular case, we're talking to the uh, this group of restaurateurs and and one of the people in the group who for whom English was a second language and in meetings like this typically didn't speak up at all. She actually offered what I thought was a really, really powerful commitment on her part. She said, by the way, but this is a pretty well-known steakhouse chain that um, uh, family oriented family, family chain, uh, bring your friends, bring your family kind of a restaurant, very welcoming. She said, from now on, when I greet somebody who comes into my restaurant and they're in a wheelchair, instead of talking to the people behind them who are standing up and asking them where they'd like to sit or what they're looking for in their restaurant experience, I'm going to go down on one knee and look at the person in the wheelchair and ask that person, what is it that you want from your experience today? Because I feel as though not doing that means, even though we say we welcome and invite everybody, by not doing that, we're actually not welcoming or inviting or including the person in the wheelchair. Now, what I remember about this meeting is that everything got really quiet after that, and a lot of notes were taken. And eventually, that became standard operating procedure for that restaurant chain. That ended up on what we sometimes lovingly refer to as the Ten Commandments of the restaurant, the things that we, we don't call them that, but, uh, but our customers do. If we are who we say we are, what are the list of things that we can be counted on to do, no matter who we are in the company, no matter who we are in the restaurant? What are the things we can be counted on to do day in and day out that show the world in clear, demonstrable terms what we are? And as we were developing the Ten Commandments for this restaurant chain, this one found its way into the top five. That whole idea that you should include people in wheelchairs Normally, not just as a, a matter of politeness, but because when we say we include people, we really mean it. It's not just something that the person in the wheelchair appreciates and respects, although that's very important. But everybody in the waiting area of the restaurant, everybody waiting to be seated, when they see you behave that way, they get a warm feeling about your restaurant that makes them want to come back again someday in the future because they saw the way you treated somebody who is less fortunate than everyone else. I can't begin to tell you how much more powerful it is to actually articulate what diversity, equitable treatment, and inclusiveness mean as actual behaviors than just saying we're, we, we focus on DE&I. You can't just say we focus on DE&I. You have to show me how you prove that. How do you make your, your restaurant more accessible? How do you, how do you invite the people uh, uh, who uh, greet the people? When they, when they come into your restaurant. Exactly how you do that, that becomes the training manual for onboarding new employees. And that means that ultimately becomes your culture. So I'm just hoping I'm making a point there. That's one small example. I'll give you another one. Uh, what, I, what I love about ProFit, the team building exercise that we do, is because it's based on something that anybody can participate in. And you don't need a PhD to understand. You don't even need to be a college graduate. Uh, we've done work with companies that include truck drivers, trucking companies. And I remember working with a, truck, a trucking company in Massachusetts. I remember when we got to that, okay, we're thorough and we're careful. I get that. Our core values are thoroughness and, uh, and, and carefulness. I get that. But what does that mean? When we got to that and people actually started to think about it, they said, well, for me, anyway, what it means is at the end of my shift, if I've been working on my truck and I'm using tools, 
I take the tools and I put them back where I got them. I just don't leave them in the middle of the shop floor where I use them. We wrote that down. Somebody else said, you know what? If a little bit of oil leaks, instead of just leaving the oil stain in the middle of the floor, wherever the oil leaked, I'm going to go get a rag and I'm going to clean up that oil stain because I, I can do that because I, so cleanliness and thoroughness came to life. What is it that we reliably do every day that demonstrate to each other that keeping this place clean matters? Somebody else piped up. You know what? We wear uniforms, but those uniforms don't fit very well. That can be changed. And half the, and we really need two uniforms because one's going to be in the wash. You know, we shouldn't be wearing dirty uniforms. We should be changing off. Wrote that down. Okay, so cleaner uniforms. Pick up your tools when you're finished. Clean up the oil spills. For this trucking company, that meant that they respected each other and respected themselves enough to want to keep a clean workplace. But the bigger issue was six months later when we checked in with them, we found that the number of deliveries per day had gone up, client service statistics had improved, um, customer courtesy, responses to customer surveys went up. Uh, the fact that they were respecting themselves and respecting each other as members of this team in the, uh, in the workplace translated to actual measurable beneficial results from the point of view of the business as, uh, as a whole. So, Little things like this add up to big things, uh, uh, sometimes unexpectedly huge things uh, with respect to improving productivity and improving and, and reducing uh, errors, mistakes, improving quality. Uh, all those things are really critical. Uh, another story. We work with a police department. Now, in a police department, being decisive and being uh, focused are very important core values. And you'll hear police officers who went through training to become a police officer, say, I'm decisive and I'm focused and I'm organized uh, and, uh, and I get to the point. You'll hear that. Those core values came up. But we work with a particular police department in a particular suburban community in New Jersey. And when they thought about it, they really thought about it. They thought, well, you know what, though? What this means for us isn't necessarily that we're, we've always got our hand on our gun and we're focused on our badge. Um, it means that what we really ought to do is be out there more about community service. So when we do a traffic stop, instead of approaching the vehicle with a hand on the gun, which is what they teach you, uh, and instead of approaching the vehicle um, authoritatively, we'll approach the vehicle with the assumption that in our community anyway, this is probably just somebody who exceeded the speed limit. And we don't want to get, give everybody the impression that all we are are cops and all we do is enforce the law. We want to make it clear in everything we do that we're serving the community and not just enforcing the law. Now, I can tell you what that translated to, because in that community, after we did this work a couple of years later, I actually got stopped. I, I uh, drove a little bit too fast and I got pulled over. And I remember the way the police officer treated me was very much in line with the exercise we did with them. Talk to me about my about how quickly I was driving. Talk to me about the zone I was driving in and, and that there are children playing in that zone and what kind of traffic we have in that zone and who lives there. Told me about the neighborhood that I was speeding in. Uh, and then finally wrote me a ticket. And I and when it was all over, I almost thanked the guy for it. I mean, he wrote me a ticket for a lower speed limit than he could have. And he gave me a break on points. Uh which was his way of saying, you're a member of this community too. 
he made it educational and he made it supportive and he didn't just make it punitive. And that, for me anyway, made a huge difference. And uh, I ended up writing a letter thanking him for the way he stopped me and the way he wrote me a ticket because I believe he needed to, I believed he needed to be recognized for that. And we also did some work with a private school. Teachers are very much, core values are love, caring for, empathizing. That's teachers. But this private school was very much into uh, structure, discipline, because one of their differentiators as a private school is that the kids are lined up between classes, uh, they wear uniforms, and that they're told that between classes they're to be quiet. They're to line up quietly and move quietly from one class to another class. So their behavior was, uh, of the list, their Ten Commandments were around how do we treat a child that breaks the rules? How do we treat a child that breaks the line? How do we treat a family that comes in to talk to us about their child and their education and how they're being educated? And all of their commandments were around not just about caring and empathy and concern and love, but also about structure and discipline and the need for that and the educational value of structure and discipline as they recognized it as an important part of the work they did. So here's what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is that there's an expression, and you don't need to be a Catholic or a Christian to, to appreciate it. And that expression is, what would Jesus do? I use that from time to time just for illustrative purposes. Could be anybody. It isn't important what uh, the character Jesus preaches. It's important, more important, what the character Jesus does to reflect every day in every way that he is practicing what he preaches. That core values set into motion is one of our differentiators in ProFit and something that you all are really seriously consider in, in the core values exercises that you do. So here's what I'm asking of you. Uh, certainly, if you want to know, know more about ProFit, you can contact me. Uh, there'll be some information that uh, Dr. Jacqueline will post later to give you contact uh, a way to contact me. I'll tell you about that. Pretty easy to reach. Um, certainly happy to talk to you about ProFit. But the next time you do a core values exercise, the next time you get everybody together and say, okay, what are our core values? Go beyond the core values to what is it we do every day that we all observe in each of us that prove to the world just by looking at us. Remember, 90% of communication is nonverbal. It's not just what you say. It's what you do and how you act and how you carry yourself. What is it about all that that shows the world that I'm serious and I practice what I preach, that proves to the world that the core values that I'm expressing are actual values that I put, to, that I put into practice and bring to life every day? And write them down on a board as the Ten Commandments of your team or your company or your organization. When I, it's not good enough to say that my core value is I'm a good listener. What is a good listener? And actually, this is a plug for Dr. Jacqueline's uh, listening mentor program. Wonderful program. It's not enough that you're listening to somebody. You need to express back to them when it's your turn to talk and not before then uh, that you heard what they said and give it back to them, not by replaying what you heard literally, but by offering what you think you learned from what they said. That's the beginning of a real, true, deep conversation. That's how you prove to somebody that you listen to them. So 
listening skills are something that you can say you've got, but until you're proving it by actually doing what a good listener does, and you should look into Dr. Jacqueline's Listening Mentor Program. It's a great program. Unless you can prove that in everything that you do, you're not a good listener. You just say you are. It's just virtue signaling. When you say you love everybody, well, okay then. What does that mean? Uh, and in every business, that expression, that manifestation of love might be a little different. In some organizations, the way I prove that I love my customers is by probing them for details, gathering data from them, asking them difficult questions, almost cross-examining them. That could be how I run my business, and that might be valuable with respect to the service I provide. But in another business, I prove I love my customers by allowing them to freely express how they feel, by listening to them without judgment, by uh, asking them to expand on what they say without me offering what direction I'd like that expanded in. So if you love people and you're a therapist, the commandments for you will be different than if you love people and you're an accountant. You both of you love people, but the way you show that love varies from one business to another business. And all of these speak to exactly what makes you unique and exactly what makes you different. And all of that should end up in your advertising literature and your marketing literature and all your case studies should be about how you behave every day, no matter where you are, whether people are watching or not, that prove that these core values that you say are so important to you actually are. So, I mean, I'm trying to think of uh, one or two other points that I can make before we wrap this up. And uh, the most important thing, uh, thing I think I can say in order to wrap up this whole line of, of, of speaking is that it's always, you've always been told, your parents probably said, mind your P's and Q's. Be careful how you express. Uh, remember, 90% of communication is nonverbal. So this includes not just the things that you say to people and how you talk to them, but also what you do, your facial expressions, the clothing you wear. I mean, all the elements of presence intelligence that we folded into ProFit. Uh, you can check other talking heads that included Lisa Maniocchi and you hear her explain presence intelligence to you, uh, or you can go to presenceintelligence.com to learn more. But the nine elements of your personal presence that demonstrate to people, that communicate to people who you are, all of these ought to be folded into the commandments that you create that represent the best of you for everybody. And finally, kind of my last point, it's not enough that you do these core values exercises in the conference room with just the executive leadership team. That's not sufficient. What you need to do is to make sure that all of these values and all of these behaviors that prove these values are communicated down throughout the organization to every level, to everybody in the organization, whether they mop the floors and answer the phones or uh, meet with clients or cook food in the uh, back of the house or greet uh, guests in the front of the house. No matter where they are, no matter who they are, everybody has a right to participate in this core values exercise process because every one of their core values ultimately reflects the whole organization's face, what it looks like to the people, to the community that it serves. So I want to thank all of you for paying as much attention as you have to this episode of Talking Heads. I really appreciate, uh, again, Dr. Jacqueline, uh, the opportunity to, to use the Talking Heads platform to make these points. I can be reached at 212-480-3730. 
That's our number for the ProFit team building program. I can also be emailed at my uh, getbcat.com email address, al.cini, A-L.C-I-N-I at getbcat.com. Please, if you have any questions, reach out to me. I'm happy to help in any way I can. Uh, and, um, and I hope you've benefited by some of the things I've said. Remember, it's not just about the values you express. It's about the behaviors you engage in that prove that those values really mean something to you. So thanks, everybody, for joining me. Thanks for your time. And thanks again, Dr. Jacqueline, for the opportunity. Thank you.